Welcome, everybody, to the Formula One Feast. F1 Feast from Filibuster Freestyle. Still your buddy, Gavin, trying something new for the 2023 Formula One racing season in which we are going to feast on food in between each hot take. And what we're going to try to do as we go, one, we got to make this a video podcast eventually because you want to see the food and you want to see us eating and potentially being in pain if we have to eat too much in order to talk. But number two, more importantly, is, um, well, heck, we're going to do food from around the world as the Formula One circus travels around the globe we're going to be picking food related to each area to eat and to feast on in between points so a little man versus food a little f1 drive to survive a little hot ones and it's going to be fun so i'm just going to dig right in this is the 2023 driver and team preview show it's going to be quick i've got 10 pieces of chicken and we're going to take 10 bites and make 10 points and the chicken is marinated, double marinated, double mixed, double tossed, if you will, in the green hot sauce coming straight out of Trader Joe's and Chelsea's Wicked Hot Sauce. Well said, but I believe it's Chelsea Wicked Hot Sauce. I'm going to get those two right after the theme song, and then we'll retry it. But this is a beta test. This is the first one of what's going to be hopefully a 23 or 4 race season, excuse me. And we're going to try to do one after every race. So here we go. F1 Feast from the Filibuster Freestyle. Highs and lows, wins and losses, it's been unbelievable. Bringing me joy and bringing me pain. They've taken years off my life. That's the deal we made. You're bringing me joy, you're bringing me pain, yeah, yeah. But every time I give up on them, they pull me back in. All right, so coming out of the break, we might as well get our marinades right. So it's Trader Joe's Green Dragon Hot Sauce mixed with Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce. And we got them both together. Ten bites. So let's get started. All right, before we get started, of course a fire truck is rolling up next to the studio. It wouldn't be a filibuster freestyle production from our South Boston studio if we didn't have a fire truck going by. It just is what it is. Just like back in our old Charlotte, North Carolina studios, we had freight trains going by all the time. Well, we've traded those off a fire truck. So if you hear the fire truck, good for you. You've got great hearings. Okay, first bite. Don't really want to do this live in the air in terms of the bite and the chewing sound, but we're going to do it. There we go. And it is pretty hot. So Alpha Tori, Yuki Tsunoda comes back, the Japanese sensation, joined by Nick DeVries, who was the Williams reserve driver last year. He got one drive uh, in place of the, in, the injured Alex Albon, who was out with appendicitis. He did so well in that race that he got a seat. Um, yeah, he got a seat. With Alvatore, which is the Red Bull. Wow, it's really hard already to talk with this hot sauce in my mouth. I can see why Hot Ones has their problems. <laughs> anyway, Yuki Sonoda, I actually think this is a make or break year for Yuki Sonoda. I think if he has a bad year, I don't know what his contract situation is, but I, I think Red Bull would move on. I think he's been a disappointment thus far. Nick DeVries gets a chance to have a regular seat. He is on a developmental team. But my thought with Nick DeVries is if he does well, 
it's a double insurance policy and a medium-term insurance policy, excuse me, for Red Bull. Let me take a bite here, and then we'll talk about why I think Nick DeVries is an insurance policy, long-term, medium-term for Red Bull. All right, bite number two on the fork. Here we go. Wow. Definitely hit you in the back of the mouth. Okay, so Red Bull returns. The sensation, Max Verstappen, he's won two drivers' championships in a row. Albeit the 2021 one is very controversial to say the least. 2022 Red Bull blew it out of the water. Max blew it out of the water. I believe he set a record for victories in a, sing- in a season. I got to take a drink of water here. Sorry. So Max's teammate, Checo Perez, had a great year, re-signed his contract. All good things. However, they have a little bit of beef. And Danny Rick, Danny Ricardo, got fired from McLaren. And so Danny Rick used to be with Red Bull when Max Verstappen first broke in. If you're an F1 fan, I'm not telling you anything new. Danny Rick is the emergency insurance policy where if Checo and Max have beef again this year, I think Red Bull is going to pull the plug and just say, we got to get you out of here. Danny Rick, there's some questions of, is this guy done or is this guy not done? And if Danny Rick is done, but he's very popular he is the emergency guy for this year if they need him. He also can be an ambassador for Red Bull. It's kind of like when Fox Sports just hired Tom Brady. And he may or may not be a good broadcaster. He may or may not do a lot of broadcasting from the booth. But having Tom Brady in your stable of stars allows you to put him out there when he needs to be. And Danny Rick, gregarious, charismatic, electric, if you will, in terms of personality, in terms of charisma, all of it. So Danny Rick might drive for Red Bull in meaningful races, but my thoughts are if Checo doesn't work out, he is an insurance policy for this year, but Danny Rick might, may or may not still have it. So who are your reserve drivers besides your actual reserve driver, Danny Rick? It's your B team, Alpha Turi, Yuki Tsunoda, all time or all kinds of talent. Imagine that. During my first bite sequence, right? Yuki Sonoda, though, I think, again, it's a big year for him. He may not be able to get over the hump. Nick DeVries is an older, steadier, maybe less of a mercurial talent than Sonoda. Um, but certainly, Inna Williams last year drove really well, has done really well in the Formula 3 and Formula 2 coming up. I think if Checo doesn't work out, whether they need Danny Rick or not this year or in the future, the real play is they want a true number two to set up their boy, Max Verstappen, for the next decade, and Nick DeVries might actually be that guy. So that's your first hot take besides that I think Yuki's going to make or break. I actually think Checo's probably going to be fine this year. I think the threat of Danny Rick is enough to keep him in line. I think Danny Rick as an ambassador for the next year or two will be good. He either still has it and gets a seat in the next couple of years, or he moves into the broadcast booth or to do whatever he wants because he's incredibly rich and successful. Bite number three coming up. All right, bite number three is going to be the smallest bite I have remaining. i got some big pieces of chicken marinated in double hot sauce after this. But let's talk Mercedes. But here's the bite. Literally one of my pet peeves is to hear people chewing. So now I'm doing a podcast in which you hear me chewing. How's that for ironic? Mercedes looking for a huge bounce back year with their car. Their car design last year in 2022, the new regulations, again, not breaking any news here, was very different than everybody else's and not in a good way. Their eight-year stretch of constructors' championships, their dominance completely out the window. They still finished in third place last year with a crap car. What can they do this year? The real story for Mercedes is can they get their car back to a competitive place with Ferrari, but especially with Red Bull? 
Mercedes had consistency, but not enough speed last year. Ferrari had the speed, but not enough consistency. Red Bull had that Goldilocks of both. Mercedes has made a living having both and being dominant. Red Bull looked dominant last year. So Mercedes' vehicle and car design as the, man, this jalapeno on the back of my throat really makes me want to talk fast. Whew, okay. So Lewis Hamilton looking for a bounce back year, but that car is going to be what matters. George Russell, same thing. That car is what matters. Um, Areas for potential excitement and drama is that George Russell had a really good year last year, his first year with Mercedes, in a bad car. George does not seem to be suited to be a number two driver in the way that Valtteri Bottas was. More on him in a second for bite number four. But Bottas was very happy being uh, Lewis Hamilton's caddy and getting the occasional win or podium or points and did really well in those dominant cars. Last year, George Russell finished ahead of Lewis in the standings. It'll be very interesting to see that they've now got a, two drivers who want to be number ones, Lewis towards the end of his career, George Russell moving right to the beginning of his career. Now, regardless of that, Mercedes has a reserve driver, high profile, a Danny Rick light, if you will, in Mick Schumacher. Now, the Schumacher name is huge, but it's obviously Mick's father, Michael, who made that name. Mick finally scored some points for Haas last year in F1. But he's not to the level of success over time that Danny Rick is for Red Bull. But Mercedes has a high-profile, huge name recognition, especially in Germany, where obviously the Schumacher's name and the Mercedes name are both iconic names. And Mick Schumacher, interesting how long he'll be with Mercedes. And again, if Lewis were to win his eighth championship this year, would he retire with the most ever beating Mick's dad, Michael, for the all-time driver's championship list, breaking that way at seven, breaking that tie at seven, excuse me. Uh, I don't know. But Mick Schumacher is Danny Rick Light. Okay, let's get a fourth bite. Let's talk about Alfa Romero because I mentioned Valtteri Bottas. All right, this is about to be a monster bite of chicken right here. Like, actually have to chew it. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, man, this is difficult. Drink of water coming too. Unofficial sponsor of the week, water. Okay, Alfa Romero. I meant to look up Valtteri Bottas's contract situation. He might have this year plus next year as contract. I don't know that he does. Assuming that he does not, I think this is his last year in F1. Not necessarily by his choice. I think he's earned the right to retire, but I actually thought he started off last year pretty good and then tailed off pretty badly. His Partner in crime, his teammate, Zhu Guanyu, was a rookie last year. If Zhu comes out, if he comes out in his second year and starts smashing Valtteri Botas in terms of results, I think Botas will be done. Um, though, we'll see. I could be completely wrong on this, but my hot take, and I love the guy, is that if Botas starts getting beaten regularly by his teammate, he will be done in F1. Bite number five. Let's do Ferrari. It's a big bite. And that gives me time to formalize some thoughts on Ferrari. Okay. Somebody had to be the fall guy last year for the strategy problems, the reliability problems, and the uh, yeah, reliability of the car, reliability of the strategy, lack of strategy that Ferrari had. Mattia Bonotto was that somebody. He was team principal. And ironically, Ferrari had their best finish in several years coming in second. But everybody agreed that from where they started the season, 
with clearly the fastest car. And Red Bull was struggling out of the gate with a little bit of reliability issues on their own. And Mercedes clearly struggled big time just with pace and speed. It was Ferrari's season to lose last year. And they found a way to epically give it back. And really, after they gave it back, just absolutely crumble. And they almost got caught by Mercedes for second place. So sometimes it's not where you finish in the standings to how you land there. So Benotto out. Charles Leclerc kind of being positioned now as a true number one. I think the big beef here is that Carlos Sainz definitely does not see himself as a number two. What kind of fireworks are we going to get? The real story here is can Ferrari's car make it around the track for the 50-plus laps of the usual race versus the one lap you need for qualifying? Can the strategy be better? I don't know how you have all that money, all that history, all that lineage, all that winning, that kind of car, those kind of drivers, and have a bad strategy guy or a bad strategy team. Not really sure how that happens. Somebody out there has got to have a good strategy team. Maybe Ferrari has it now. Maybe they don't. My sense is they do not. Uh, I think they'll struggle this year. I think they'll have a good season. I don't know if they'll come in second, though. And if they do come in second, I think it can be more because Mercedes still hasn't figured out their speed than Ferrari figured out their pit strategy and reliability. That's my take. Let's do a little little, little – well, it's halftime, so I'm going to type my friends about Pop Sketch Designs. At Pop Sketch Designs on Instagram, they've got all the gear you need for sports, especially Boston and Philadelphia sports, but other sports too. They've got onesies, they've got t-shirts, they've got hats, they've got hoodies, they've got long sleeve tees, women's sizes, men's sizes, really comfortable t-shirts, free shipping. Basically, every product that Pop Sketch Designs sells is $24.99, and that includes the shipping. So we'll call it a $25 shirt, $24.99 with free shipping, or you can call it a whatever dollar shirt with free shipping. The shipping is included $24.99 at Pop Sketch Designs. Go to the Etsy store, www.etsy.com slash shop slash Pop Sketch Designs, or you can DM them directly on their Instagram at Pop Sketch Designs. Make sure you give them a follow. Make sure you tell them that F1 Feast from the Filibuster Freestyle sent you. Okay, second half coming up of our preview show. Okay, if my fifth bite was my biggest bite, my sixth bite is equally as big as the fifth bite. So I'm really setting myself up for failure here on the back stretch. Here comes the bite. Again, this sounds gross. It's how we learn. But anyway, huge bite. This hot sauce is actually going okay for me. I will be looking for some kind of a cream-based thing after this is over. Um, again, not every week is going to be a hot sauce-based thing. I just figured is what we have in the fridge. It's a preview show. Let's give a little homage to Hot Ones while we before we get into kind of the travel food piece of this. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk Alpine. Let's talk the all-French team. It's the French team. It's two French drivers. Um, Alpine, as those of you who follow F1 and follow maybe Draft to Survive, you know that not only did Fernando Alonso suddenly leave Alpine last year to go to Aston Martin, Martin, excuse me, my Boston accent, Aston Martin. Again, talking with this hot sauce in my tongue is difficult. Um, not only did Fernando Alonso leave, but then Alpine tried to replace him with their, their former reserve driver, Oscar Piastri, and he was like, no thanks, but thanks, I'm going to go to McLaren, take Danny Rick's seat. So Alpine has Esteban Ocon, who is a French driver, they bring in from the Red Bull development team and formerly of Red Bull for a cup of coffee, Peter Gasly, who is a Frenchman as well. It's an all-French team. It's two French drivers, French vehicle, French engine, French design team. 
Otmar, their principal, don't believe he's French. I know he's not French. I've seen him practicing Duolingo in the car on Drafters of Five. Alpine came in fourth place last year. Alpine basically, I mean, again, when Red Bull and Mercedes and Ferrari are all hitting on cylinders, everybody's kind of playing for fourth. And Alpine rose up to that level despite having driver drama. But at the same time, they had an all-time great in their cockpit in one of their cars. Fernando Alonso. Now they bring in Gasly, who has been on a B team, Alpha Tori, and who struggled being Max's number two a few years ago when Red Bull did give him a shot as their number two driver. So what are we looking at here? Well, I think you have two guys who might be number twos or who might be number ones. I don't think there's a clear pecking order yet. We'll figure that out. I think Alpine is going to be fascinating. Um, one, what can Ocon do? Can he get a year better? He's still a young driver. Two, Gasly is finally on a number one team, meaning he's not either Max's caddy on Red Bull and struggling as a young guy and not being able to pull it off, and he's not you know, ham and egging it on their B team and Alfa Tori where he has some really good results, he's got some really good talent, or he wouldn't have this seat with Alpine, but this could be his year. So I have no takes on this other than it's going to be a wide-open, interesting year. I could see Alpine finishing anywhere from 4th to 7th on the grid, probably 4th to 6th most likely. And I could also see both these drivers being excellent, one of them being excellent, one of them imploding, both of them imploding. I think it's a complete wild card what's going to happen with Alpine. Okay, let's get bite number six. Bite number six, a more modest bite. Here we go. Ooh, but a lot of hot sauce in that one. So, who do we got? Well, speaking of hot sauce, let's just talk about Aston Martin, a.k.a. Aston Martin. Lance Stroll, billionaire son of the owner, Lawrence Stroll. Now that Nicholas Latifi's gone, I believe the only true... My daddy's a billionaire. That's why I have my seat. And again, yes, he earned it through Formula 3 and Formula 2 and getting his super license points. But his dad's a billionaire that got him there. Um, don't like the Strolls. Like Lance better than I like his dad. Don't like his dad. And really, if he's mad about that, and I doubt he will be, he should blame the folks who drive to survive. Because if he's not a complete jerk, he needs to talk to the producers about why do you guys always make me look like a complete jerk. Anyway. They decided to embrace the self-proclaimed villain of the league, of F1, the legend, the 42-year-old, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso leaves Alpine to go to Aston Martin. Aston Martin just parted ways with the retiring Sebastian Vettel, so they just got rid of basically a late 30s slash early 40s-ish era former two-time world champion who came to help their billionaire son learn how to drive like a champion. They're replacing Vettel, who is beloved, with Fernando Alonso, who loves to be hated or loves to be despised as long as he's the center of attention. He's a hell of a driver. I don't see him playing number two. I don't see the Strolls being okay with that. I think we all see kerosene, gasoline, nuclear weapons, whatever, in terms of incendiary comments, remarks, and actions coming our way. The biggest shock would be if it is a quiet season for Aston Martin. However, I do think Alonso, based on last year, has a lot more in the tank in terms of still has his fastball than Vettel did. could be very interesting to see an incredibly well-funded team. What are they able to do to maximize the fact that Fernando Alonso is an incredible driver, whether you like him or not? Frankly, I do like him because he owns who he is, and who he is is an agent of chaos. All right, by number seven, 
working our way down the grid. McLaren. There's the bite. Ooh, that's a big smack. Sorry. That's gross. Um, McLaren. Lando Norris is their poster boy. They love Lando Norris. Danny Rick didn't work out. They bring in Oscar Piastri. And here's the thing on Piastri. Christian Horner of Red Bull has been quoted as saying, Red Bull missed the boat and not getting involved and getting him signed to the Red Bull camp when he was younger. Talking about Piastri. Alpine had a lot of problems with losing him last year because they wanted to promote him. They loved him for the long term. They lost him and Alonso basically in a week last summer. And here he is on an underachieving McLaren team, which I think two years ago in 21 had a good year, and I think came in fourth. Last year came in fifth, got housed by Alpine, and the only place they won really is when stealing drivers. So you put in a talented guy like Piastri, who's never raced in a Formula One race, with Lando, who is their number one. Now you kind of have two number ones, which they were kind of going for with Danny Rick, but Danny Rick also, I just think clearly is past his prime. This will be another one that's very interesting. This could be a blah, boring year from McLaren, or it could be effing fireworks, and it's going to be anywhere in between. And that's all I really got on McLaren, other than I think this is a big year for Zach Brown at McLaren. I think as much as they won the press releases for who they signed and moved move people on and all these things, when will it materialize for wins for Lando? Or is it just a big distraction? All right, bite number oof, nine coming up. All right, bite number nine is bigger than bite number 10. I'm going to dip it in hot sauce. Get an homage to Hot Ones. Here we go. Okay. Let's do let's do Haas, and then we'll do Williams. Sorry, Williams. When you come in last all the time, you're going to be our 10th bite in the preview show. Okay. Haas. Haas lucked out last year. They got rid of Massapin, who was another billionaire daddy, got me here, pay driver. They got rid of him very late, and they paired Mick Schumacher who at least his dad's name got him there as an F1 driver, not as a billionaire oligarch. They got rid of Schumacher. So they had Schumacher. They got rid of Mazepin. They brought in Kevin Magnuson, who had been out of the sport for a year. And by all accounts, the car was really fast last year because Ferrari made a great engine, as we know, for the, the results Ferrari had and the quickness they had. And Haas really moved up the grid after scoring zero points in 21, really a very respectable bounce back in 2022. And Kevin Magnuson was a huge part of that. And so he literally came in with, I think, le- certainly less than a month warning in preparation, but maybe even as short as a couple weeks before the first race of the year last year. And K-Mags had a great year by all accounts. So assuming the car is still there, assuming the reliability is there, and K-Mags now been there a year plus, K-Mag is, I think, the clear number one option to be supported by Haas to try to score some points, maybe even get some podiums. Nico Hulkenberg comes back. Nico's been a reserve driver. Nico's been a, a driver with a seat. He is a clear, clear, clear number two guy. Uh, they probably want an experienced guy who's happy to be there, and they probably want to see what they have with Kevin Magnuson. Honestly, Gunther Steiner, the team principal, is an absolute superstar. Uh, Kevin Magnuson seems like a very nice guy who's um, you know a killer in the race car, but a really good guy outside of the cockpit, uh, if you will. I don't know if it's called a cockpit or not. I'm going to call it that. And listen, I think, you know, Haas is going to be very interesting because, well, if Haas doesn't have a debt of a car, I think they have the ability to be very interesting this year to see how they can do. Can they, here's the other thing, Aston Martin, endless resources, McLaren, endless resources, Alpine puts a ton of money into it as well. 
is is Haas going to be able to jump some Alfa, Alfa Romero types? Is Haas going to be able to jump some Aston Martin types? Aston Martin with all their resources, I'm not sure. Haas kind of does it on a shoestring budget, but not as badly as Williams has. So they've got that Ferrari engine. They've got K-Mag coming back. They've got a veteran driver as his number two. Again, I don't have massive expectations for Haas, but I am very interested to see what K-Mag can do in that car with that engine with a year of preparation and continuity. Okay, final bite coming up. We got Williams. All right, bite number 10. Here it is. A small bite. Worthwhile, I think. Again, likely to make this a video podcast down the road. Um, and maybe that'll be more fun. Maybe it'll be more gross. I don't know. Regardless, speaking of gross, Williams has had gross results the last several years in Formula One. They bring back Alex Albon, who actually did pretty well last year in a not very quick car, carved out some points, etc. But to be honest, you know, his former full-time teammate, Nicholas Latifi, another billionaire pay driver, out of the sport, at least out of, out of a seat for this year. And then the back driver, Nick DeVries, when he took Albon's place when Albon was out with appendicitis and had surgery, DeVries, I think, had the best drive of the year for Williams in his one and only drive. So interesting to see what Albon will do. Also interesting, American driver Logan Sargent joining Williams as a rookie. So we've got an American driver in a former prestige brand that's been down on his luck for a while. Got a great young partner in Alex Albon. Don't know anything about Logan Sargent other than it's going to be interesting if this guy can hold his own. What oh, the jalapeno is really hitting me here. Needed that water. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what Sargent does or doesn't do. Sargent could be a dud. Sargent could be a stud. And the only difference, you know, again, a stud in a Williams is not going to happen. But you look at what George Russell did in the Williams versus what Nicholas Latifi did in the Williams, right? Latifi is a dud. Russell is a stud. Russell plays his way into the Mercedes team. Latifi plays his way out of the sport, right? So, again, that's where – I don't know if Sargent's going to be somewhere in between. He probably is. Russell seems to be a pretty great talent. Latifi was there because he had a lot of money and was a good enough talent to be in the car and to earn his way up again super license-wise through F3, F2, etc. But – Logan Sarge is going to be somewhere in the middle, but if he does take off, if he does take off as a driver, what would a very competitive American driver do for an already burgeoning American market that's been on fire the last four or five years thanks to, one, drivers not existing, two, COVID basically making it that everybody was watching all of Netflix when Drive to Survive had two or three series ready to go. So anyway, that's the preview. Formula One Feast, F1 Feast. Um... It's going to be a staple here at the Filibuster Freestyle for the 2023 F1 season. Thanks for listening to the preview show. Thanks for listening to me eat 10 bites of chicken with double hot sauce on it. And we're going to have a barani dish of some sorts for our eating points after next week's Bahrain Grand Prix, which kicks off the 2023 season. Thanks for listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts. Filibuster Freestyle presents F1 Feast.